0: Welcome to the Content Queens podcast, a weekly conversation about the complexities and nuances of the creator-driven social media economy. We are your
1: hosts. I'm Kia Marie, but these social media streets know me as the Notorious KIA, put some respect on it.
0: And I am the Vic Stiles, your internet best friend. Between the two of us, we have over 10 years of social media experience and hundreds upon hundreds upon thousands of likes, views, and followers. Shit, Kia is even verified. That's not a brag. It's simply just the fucking truth. Period. He Our platform exists to inform creators new and old about the bounty of wealth and growth opportunities in the content creator industry and simultaneously share the best practices for your careers to have longevity, just like ours have. Content Queens is an amalgamation of your favorite talk show segments featuring high profile guest interviews and discussions on current events all while exploring the most pertinent issues in today's social media climate.
1: And the forecast? The word of social media is scorching hot and isn't letting up anytime soon. As new classes of creators continue to ascend into the ranks of the creator economy, there still maintains a lack of decorum and transparency on both the brand, agency, and even the influencer side. But we're here to fix that. We believe, as an industry, it's not enough to teach virality if you aren't also teaching scalability and sustainability too. Insert your content queens. But it's not just our wisdom that we're sharing. This season, we're inviting a handful of seasoned guests and some of your favorite creators to share their experiences and best practices on how to thrive as an online creator. Here are watches anywhere and everywhere you get your podcasts, but hold up, sit back down. We're not done with you. Hit that subscribe button now so you won't miss a minute or even a second of what we have in store for you. For now, this is Content Queens. Where content is clean.
0: What's up, Content Kingdom? Thank you guys so much for all of your listens and your shares on last week's episode. I saw y'all on social media. It felt good to be back. Yeah, so
1: that was like, it was like a relief. It was. Like, finally, we're back. Like, <laughs> all we- the hard work. Yeah.
0: And it was. it's kind of cool because it's been months in the making. It feels like it was like yesterday because we did come in last week, but... It's just so cool to see this come to fruition.
1: Uh, come to life exactly how we envisioned. And yeah, we're excited for you guys to see everything that we have in store for you this season.
0: Yeah. So last week, we asked the audience a few polls, and I want to give the results for those. I'm actually really surprised.
2: Which, which, which are you
0: surprised Okay, so we asked, would you sue social media platforms for addiction? And twenty seven percent of people said yes. Seventy three percent said no. Oh um, no! How do you feel about that?
1: Wait, say that. Say the question again. Would you sue mm-hmm. social
0: media for addiction?
1: And so, twenty seven percent said yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like, duh. Give me my would, money. No, they're saying no. Would you sue social media oh, platforms yeah, for addiction?
0: No. I would say yes. I would sue them.
1: She's the type to go on McDonald's. (laughs) Remember the lady that burnt herself on coffee or something and then sued me? But she won. she won. That's what I'm saying. If you get addicted to social media, listen, get
0: your coins. It's affected your quality of life.
1: Nah, I think the the 73% is like, I'm going to accept personal responsibility in this. And like I mentioned... If you're addicted to social media, you probably already have addicted qualities or addictive personality. You might already suffer from depression or anxiety and social media just brings it further to life. And so you probably just need to put your phone down.
0: True. But what about the kids?
1: Yeah, that's what it's about. It's about the kids. I don't know. I have to step in as a parent. That's the part. That's that part. You know, so it's it's difficult to say. When does it
0: become? I don't know. And it's funny because I feel like in every generation there's this thing, right? Like in my parents' generation it was rock and roll. Like, oh, if you listen to that devil's music, you're going to be
1: this (laughs) type of
0: person. And like, you know, you blame it on music. And then I feel like when we were coming up, it was video games Mm -hmm. because Columbine happened and there were a lot of gun video games out. And now it's social media. But I feel like we always have some sort of scapegoat outside of parenting.
1: And personal responsibility. And, you know, but I think It's a greater issue because a lot of the times parents just send their kids to school and they expect teachers and the educational system to teach their kids all these lessons. But the learning never stops. You know, you stepping in as a parent doesn't stop because your kid is in school for six, seven hours a day. Like the learning continues. It's constant. So being more present in your kid's life and all the activities that they have going on their phones. Like my sister with my nephew, he's 14. She cuts the internet access off at a certain time. It's like she'll take the phone if it gets too crazy. So you have to step in as a parent and be like, nah, enough is enough. And then take action. Like if your kid is addicted to social media, put them in rehab or, you know, have them talk to a therapist. But also it's going to be hard to do that when the parent is also on the phone. (laughs) 24-7. Or the kids are growing up with the phone in their face. Like from young, they're like, Ooh, you know, taking videos. Like, you know, my little niece is four and she loves to be on, like, ooh, I'm going to do my little YouTube video. Or she loves (laughs) to be on camera. She knows how to unlock the phone. She knows how to do all these things at such a young age. And it's just like, yo, she's growing up in a totally different generation. That's That's the part. So
0: I was in Florida this week and my parents had a leak in their condo. And they don't live there. They live in Alabama. And I was taking care of stuff. But the, like difference between how they don't understand and know how to use technology with ease and the way that I do, it's kind of scary because it's like things are changing so rapidly Mm -hmm.
1: that if you don't stay on top of it, you can get left behind real quick. Real quick. All right, let's move on to the next poll results. So we asked, should states have the power to ban filters? 19% said yes, 81% said no. How do you feel?
0: I say no. Like, then that's just like encroaching on our freedom of speech, right? Like, the, I mean, is a filter a freedom? It's a freedom of expression. <laughs>
1: expression, right? But yeah. like we said, like, it's not because of the filters. It's because it's messing with their facial recognition software. And in Illinois, they brought on like a class action lawsuit against Meta. And residents were given $400. What? Yeah.
0: For filters?
1: Yeah. And so they can't oh. use it. And so somebody mentioned that some people just turn their location off. But, you know, others are like, you know, they see the the benefit in it as yeah. far as, you know, not feeling the pressure of social media and stuff. But then they also got $400. So I wouldn't be mad either. Facts. You got to put some coins behind Big those facts. bands. All right. <laughs> and the biggest question, our question of the week. This is the one I'm mad at. Is the influencer dead? This is like. I'm mad at y'all for this.
0: 50 50? <laughs> <laughs> this is what y'all go do? We was 50 50. We so,
1: what do you expect? It's going to be we a reflection of, of us. Absolutely. That's crazy. I would love for the kingdom to send us some voice notes or voice messages or emails or whatever. Just give us your take on is the influencer dead? I would love to know your reasoning, whether yep. for or against. And yeah. I, I, I do have to say for me she's dead but she's also dying because she's still out there
0: yeah I think she's dying yeah I don't think she's extinct yet or maybe she's not maybe she's just evolving into something else
1: yeah something totally different we have yet to see so yeah. stay tuned stay tuned we'll be back right after this break Gen Z loves buying fakes. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Fake what? Fake everything. Clothes? Fake everything. Like fake Gucci bags? Like, like fake Gucci bags right up here on Canal Street. How do you feel? Have you ever bought a fake? No. You know, I'm from New York. When I was in high school, I definitely was on Canal Street.
0: Buying? What would you buy? <laughs> wait, okay, wait, wait. What was you buying? What was you buy? I
1: had... I had a, a Dior saddle bag. I probably had a couple Louis Vuitton Speedies, but then like, I was a kid, but you how know. Much were you paying for them? Who knows? Maybe fifty dollars. Oh,
0: that's not bad though.
1: Maybe. And this was before Canal. This is before. This was like throwback Canal Street, okay. to where it was just like, yo, you <laughs> know, the counterfeit business wasn't, you know, how it is now, where it's like fakes have been sophisticated yeah they're getting good you can't tell you can't tell the difference and i was seeing a tiktok where they're saying even like older women are buying like the fake birkins and stuff but- like to go amongst their collection like so, and you can't tell the difference between a replica birkin and the rest of them so it's just like is this a so there's a different issue here like why do you feel the need to buy a fake that's my question that's that is my first question. But I know, how, and then I also think about when I couldn't afford the real things, I know how I used to feel, like how bad I used to want something. Okay. And so I'm able to empathize with that.
2: Yeah.
1: But being an adult, I, I realize it's not meant for me to have. Like if I can't buy right. the real thing, I value authenticity as an adult. Yeah. Whereas as a kid, it didn't, that didn't mean much to me. Yeah. You know, and then I when I pay for these things, like I'm buying into the brand, the heritage, you know.
0: Yeah. And even like as a creator, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: how would you feel if somebody knocked off
1: something you did and then girl sold it on Canal Street? (laughs) Speaking of, they didn't bootleg the the signature pick. Get out of here. Yeah. So that (laughs) that goes back to that. Like I'm like. You feel discouraged. Yeah. But then it's also like, you know, if it was whack, they wouldn't bootleg it. Exactly. But that at too, the same though. time, you know, I'm suing everyone. Facts. Get them, <laughs> get them coins. It, it forces you to get your business together. I remember when I worked for the intellectual property firm, one of our clients, I believe, was like, it was either Christian Dior or Louis Vuitton, something like that. But the attorneys would have bags and bags of fake counterfeit goods in their possession. And so the process, you know, you start by sending like cease and desist letters and then if that doesn't work, then you obviously go to you sue them for infringement and stuff like that but yeah they would be examining like the fake bags yeah. and the fake garments and stuff like that so yeah it's a whole it's a billion dollar business before they just recently a couple years ago started cracking down on Canal Street but now it's like back up again yeah everybody.
0: listen even coming here
1: yeah but there was a time where it was like very low key like they would be hush hush and you have to go into a van like they'll walk you like two blocks nah. down and you'll go into a van and see like everything they have so I have experience with purchasing counterfeit goods yeah but it was counterfeit so that means it didn't last it wasn't real leather it yeah. didn't last like but the fakes today it's, th- it's the same quality it's this leather you just have the Chanel logo on it and my thing is it's not Chanel like why right. don't you just go get a good quality leather handbag that's, that's not, not designer Chanel. yeah
0: that's in your price range. Yeah.
1: So, why do you want it? You want it to flex. Exactly. So, then that's when it becomes like the internet culture, and I'm going to have like my fake bags and yep. pretend like you're pretending yeah. yep. and you're doing it for other people, not for yourself.
0: Exactly. I think that everybody needs to take that money and spend it on therapy because <laughs> clearly there's something going on within yourself that makes you feel like you have to show up and perform for other people. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel like, in order to be seen or to be accepted, you have to have material things and that requires deeper work than just i'm gonna save up and buy a birkin like now you need therapy you need to get that out of your mind because there's so much more to us than those things yeah. and that's something that i've been like dealing with personally is shifting my morals and values we talked about it last episode and you were like yeah i was thrifting because i was fucking broke I've always wanted designer shit. And like that's something that I have been b- battling with. It's like, okay, I don't necessarily align with the morals and values of these companies, but at the same time, I do like what certain bags look like. I do like certain shoes. And it's like, well, am I just not going to get that? Because, I don't know, I feel like the internet has shifted the way that we purchase and the way that we show and share what we've purchased. Because it was mm. one thing to get dressed and go to high school or your college, and like those hundred people see you and like that's a different feeling than now a few hundred thousand people see what I'm wearing
1: I feel like it makes you I don't know you just think more about it it's all for the look yeah it's all for even me someone who likes designer things like I don't like it's for me like I don't need to show the internet every little thing that I get because it's for me you know as much as Management will say, oh, you got to show these things, especially if you want to get more into the luxury market. It's like, but that's I bought it for me. Like I didn't buy it to share it. I bought it because I like it. And then I I don't like people to feel like envious or. But at the same time, I do want to share my success with my audience because it's because of them. Honestly, that I'm in my work ethic and my hustle that I'm able to afford these things, you know, and so finding that give and take to when it's like sharing because you want to inspire or encourage other people to see this for themselves. Yeah, like
0: this, I was not here three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. I am here now. Yeah. And I do agree with that for sure. So if people are buying fakes, let's say influencers are buying fakes. Do you think that they should tell their audience? Like, yeah, because I've seen videos where people are like, oh, this is a dupe of this.
1: That goes back to our conversation last season about buying and returning. Like is it yeah. does that fall within the same category? I feel like it does a little bit. Because it's still fake. It At is. the end of the day, you don't it own is. it. It's not yours. Yeah. Right. So whether it's fake because it's a fake Chanel or fake because you're gonna return it, yep. what's the difference? So understanding the internet is fake. Yeah. Like yep we're only going to show the best parts of ourselves. And even when we're showing our grief or our sadness, it's going to be the best parts of that. You're not going to see the full total picture. So when somebody shows up on camera crying their eyes out, understand that they had to go hit camera, play, (laughs) sit down, and cry, you know? Yeah, because what the real cry look like
0: is a lot (laughs) uglier than that. Y'all ain't ever going to see that shit. So sometimes, most times if I'm crying and I'm on camera, my phone is near me. It's not like it's in another room and I'm, like, getting up to go get it. It's either near me, beside me. And I think that I record when I have, like, a message. Like, if something comes to me, like, okay, I'm in my mind thinking about, I'm depressed, I can't get out of this moment, maybe someone else needs to hear this. And then I'll share it. But when it's, like, a full-on, I'm on the floor in the shower crying, nobody will ever see that. And it feels like a release, right? It feels like a little bit like therapy, like I'm telling someone my problems or what's going on with me, and I may not be getting any consoling from it, but that
1: release, I feel like, takes a little bit of emotional pressure off. The last thing I'm thinking about if I'm having an emotional breakdown is other people. And so I commend (laughs) you that you are always thinking of others. How can I be of service of others? How can this help others? I love that, but... Then again, wellness, mental health is a core part of who you are in your platform. Yeah. So that makes that makes sense. Yeah. If I did that, they were like, Kia, like we come and get okay? you. Right. <laughs> we come and get you because you know, okay. you don't show no emotion, girl. <laughs> facts, facts, facts. Yeah. All right. So other than Gen Z loving fakes, and it's not just Gen Z, like as I mentioned, older yeah. women, but that's always been the game. Yeah. Um, because you're older, more established, you look like you got money and you exactly. do have money, you can get away with wearing the fakes and stuff. They won't question it at all. And so I love how Gen Z is very much like, I don't care. Like, you know, if you got caught wearing fakes, like even in high school, if you got caught, the bag was fake, it's just like, you are... Canceled. Canceled. (laughs) You are a social pariah. Like nobody is like, your career is done. Like transfer to another school, another another district, another, like it's done. Yep. Because that's all you knew was high school. You know, now with social media, it's like crazy. But Gen Z, they don't care if it's fake. Yeah, They're like they'll proudly say it's fake, but yeah, I can't get with it.
0: Same. I love it though. I love that for them. They're very uncut and unfiltered, and yeah. I love it.
1: Gen Z loves buying fakes, just like they love Shein. Have you ever shopped at She Inside? Hell, motherfucking no. Oh, I said She Inside. It's called She In. Really, really quick story. That's that's <laughs> what it was called before.
2: That sounds so
1: a Years ago, they were the very first company. That sent me clothes to review on YouTube, and this was like 2012. What? Yes, and so they were the very first. Come, like think about 2012 until where they're at now. They are a billion dollar company. Yeah. They knocked out all the other fast fashion brands, Zara, H and M, and they Nova. are number one. Yep. Which brings up sustainability and all that kind of stuff. Yep. But, Oh, child, that's a conversation. Do we have time for that? No, not but today. Anyways, but anyway, to will. see <laughs> where they're like to see where they're at today. Like, I would never shop at Shein, just like I would never shop at Fashion Nova. And I wear that badge proudly. They just don't align with my values. And I'm not anti-fast fashion. Just what those brands do is just, I'm anti that. I mean,
0: they prey on creators, small businesses, small unknown designers. They steal their designs and then they make millions of dollars off of them. And it fucking sucks. Yeah, And so you, Kingdom, I invite you to think twice before you shop at stores like Fashion Nova or Shein, not necessarily, again, for the sustainability aspect of it, although fast fashion is quickly killing the planet, but more so from a creative aspect. They've stolen a few designs of friends of mine uh-huh. that are black women creators. And it's like, wow, you're taking money out of the pockets of black women. And that's unfortunate. I can't rock with that.
1: Yeah, and they're so many more affordable yeah. brands to shop with that may be fast fashion as well, but that, that aren't as harmful as a Shein or a Fashion Nova. As someone who's had their design stolen, I know firsthand how it feels to see somebody profiting off your intellectual property, something that you worked hard. I spent the year designing this pick and it's original. It's off... Like, I designed it off my face. Yeah. A picture of myself, so it can't get more original than that. And to see someone else profiting and to see other black women selling that product... Yeah. ...unbeknownst to them, but, you know, when I come to you like, yo, you selling my product, it's like, oh, you know, I need to check this, I need to check that. Like, what do you need to check? Right. <laughs> Just,
0: okay, <laughs> sis, my bad I didn't know. Right. How and, can I work with you now instead of working with the people that I got it from?
1: Right. So...
0: That's what it's about. Yo, we have to talk about TV shows.
1: Yes. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Content. Two
0: shows that are super nostalgic for me that I finished watching recently. Fresh Prince mm-hmm. or Bel-Air, the reboot, mm-hmm. and Stranger Things.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So let's talk about Fresh Prince first. Let's do it. you seen it?
1: I did. How you feel about it? It was so good. Like, I'm ready for... Season two. It was so good. Same. So good.
0: Listen, it was completely unexpected. Yeah. It's so different from the original.
1: They did such a great job at like touching on so many different points and conversations, but not in a pandering or a, you know, you know, sometimes... Shows do that. And it's just like, oh, they do it in just... It was just so authentic and organic the way they would talk about certain conversations and stuff and certain topics like, you know, talking about mental health and drama. Even talking about
0: when Ashley kind of came out about being gay, like talking about things like that. Something that I really loved was Hillary. Yeah. She's one of my favorite
1: characters. Yeah, because she was an influencer. Right?
0: (laughs) So let's talk about her and this content house. That she was a part of Oh That was crazy I I guess we should have said this at first Spoiler alert Yeah If you haven't seen it Yeah
1: Definitely Last week we spoke about content houses And so To see Hillary actually in a content house That was funny Yeah. And it was like, is this how they really are? Like, are they on you like
0: that? So that's what made me actually look up content houses. Okay. That I saw that she was in one and I was like, is this a real thing? Because even though I'm an influencer, I'm out of touch with that side of it. (laughs) And so that's how I found Hype House. And, you know, I think they probably really are like that. Like, I think that it is you live in these houses. You have to post. Not you can post. You have to post 24-7. And there was a a part or an episode or maybe it was a few episodes where she was dealing with she had created a sexy video Mm -hmm. and it went viral and it did way better than her regular videos and her management was like, oh, you need to do more of this. And it brought up a really Mm -hmm. interesting question. Like, what are you willing to do for Internet fame and followers? Are you willing to be a little sexier, show a little bit more skin, or even the prank guys, I wonder, like, do y'all really want to be doing these pranks? Or are you doing this because you know that it's going to bring followers? Yeah,
1: they're doing it just for that. And that has to be exhausting. Like right. we said, like chasing these trends, that's how creative burnout happens. So I'm sure it's, it's just as bad when you're chasing virality all yeah. the time. And yeah. so... It brings up like your principles and your morals and your integrity. It's like, what do you, what does it cost to be internet famous? Yep, that's the part.
0: And I think, I mean,
1: would you be in a content house? Fuck no. I don't even (laughs) want a roommate. How would I
0: live (laughs) with other people? You
1: know what, first of all, you know what content houses remind me of? Influencer trips. Yes! (gasps) And we talked about that last season, how you and I both do not like that shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like overload. I'm sensory overload. It's just like you're... As somebody who's a highly sensitive person, I can feel the pressure. Like, first of all, I have my own pressure to create content. Yep. But then I can feel your energy because you got pressure to create content. And we're all scrambling, trying to get the best angle, best shot at the best light. And it's just like, that's not how I create. No. We Most of us are introverts.
2: Yep.
0: Yep. A lot of creatives are.
1: You no, that's And then you put us on a trip where it's like, you got to post three times a day and da 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 It's like, no it thanks. I knew like after like my third influencer trip, I was like, yeah, this ain't for me. That's I'll just make it. my own. I'll just pay my own way. Is- there are some influencer trips I've been on though that give you like flexibility and it's just like, do what you need. I was just like, oh, like when I went to All-Star Weekend, that was technically an influencer trip. But it was just like, you know, do what you want to do, post when you want to post, yeah. you know, do this, with that. It was just a lot more freedom. And that's how it is. Like you yeah. don't want things that are contrived. You want things that are organic and natural. Yep. Yep. As a brand, for sure. And the audience can feel that. Mm-hmm. You know
0: what I mean? Our audience can feel like, "Oh, you was forced to post cuz you don't normally post this much." Right. This don't even look right because it's not right. right. I didn't have time. So, Stranger Things.
1: Have you watched it? I clocked out like mid season <sighs> 2. Okay.
0: So we won't talk about Stranger Things, the show, but what we will talk about is Refinery29 just came out with an article, I think it was yesterday I read. Are we having nostalgia overload with the reboot of Sex and the City, Fresh Prince reboot, Stranger Things, so much nostalgia in there from the music to the games that they're playing. All of these songs, all the artists coming out now are remixing and sampling songs from when we were kids. The Y2K
1: fashion, is it too much? Why we just can't enjoy things. I love nostalgia. Okay. <laughs> I like living in the past, girl, because this future is daunting. And so I can see as a that as a coping mechanism. Like living oh. in the past because we don't know about the future. And because of COVID, kind of stop stopped things and all that kind of stuff. So we've when it comes to fashion, fashion trends have always, always come back. I don't know how I feel about the fashion. I think that's the only thing I'm like. Because so, it's like head okay to toe. Was tacky. It was very, very tacky. Okay and so the girls that are it? doing it now, it's giving very much head to toe. And it's just like, no, that's not how you do trends. That's not how you reimagine things. You do it yeah. in a modern way. You pick things here and there. And you, like, even your hat right now, like Truckers, that's yep. very Bond yep. Dutch, yep. you know? And so, remember Ed Hardy? Yes. I used to. So the only thing for me with when. Y2K I was in high school I couldn't afford None of that So it's like For me I would go get The Von Dutch hat Because I've always Wanted one And I couldn't afford it In high school I would go get That that Ed Hardy shirt The bowling bag Mm -hmm. Same I would get all of that Matter of fact I had a Juicy Couture bag It was fake It was the bowling bag And I love that bag It wasn't velour It wasn't velour It was like leather And it was fake And so I may go Get the real one
0: You know what (laughs) I'm actually with that Because there was A pink and green Velour Juicy bag That I used to want
1: and that Von Dutch bowling bag, for sure. Yeah. Or even like the... I love like the heart shades, like uh, Cartier, how they used okay. to have the heart. And the. I might get things like that, like nostalgic pieces right. from that era that, like I said, I couldn't afford. Or I might have the fake... The knock those back are then.
0: timeless, too, though. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I feel like you can carry that bag. You can wear a trucker hat whenever, wherever. So, yeah, I don't know. I like the nostalgia, too. It makes me feel... Like, I'm in high school again, in a way. Like, ah, I remember this. I feel comfortable with this and in this. Yeah, it's like,
1: like you said, familiar. It's just like, that makes you feel good. And so when we think about creating content, we love the way you get in touch with your audience is you make them feel something. And a big part of how I create is nostalgic. I'm always tapping back into my inspirations growing up, living in New York, you know, high school era, hip-hop. And so... Those things make you feel good, and so I love the nostalgia of it. I love the Y2K. I just want the girls to just do a little bit better with putting the looks together. Facts. That's Agreed. it. You know, and then I'm seeing this whole Diesel reemergence. These ain't diesel. These is the Vizel. Okay. hold said it best. Okay. So I don't know how I feel about that. The pieces are cute, but I'm just like, there's certain brands that I just won't wear. Yeah. Yeah. No (laughs) fact. You know? Yep.
2: Yep.
1: It's cute for you, but I don't know. And so back to what you were saying about, you know, designer stuff and you don't know if that fits within what you want to do. I feel like there's just so much pressure to fit in to what, people think you are or who you think you are. And it's just like, for me, when it comes to like sustainability is like I always talk about as a pillar of mine, but I still allow myself to enjoy things. And so maybe it's buying secondhand designer. And that's what I normally do. Like this sweater is from the real world which is it's Tom shit. Brown Listen, you know I love the real real and so that's, the real real is great yeah the real world is besti- amazing I don't know how to bestier. Say bestier. yeah I always fuck the name bestier. up Vestiaire. I think that's how you pronounce it I work with them so hopefully I'm pronouncing it
0: right <laughs> more from our conversation after the break
1: Remember Clubhouse. Remember how much I loved Clubhouse? Girl. I hated Clubhouse from jump. When the last time you've been on Clubhouse, because you was Child, riding hard for Clubhouse. I was riding hard. Like it was definitely a pandemic ride, yo. Cause nothing was open. It was very much giving it's very much giving fling, very much giving one night stand. It's very much giving somebody the Pizza Hut number, not your own number. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait, so what it, happened? It's, you it's, just it's, fell off.
1: Girl. I don't remember the last time I opened that app. Yeah. They what? had all these change, like So it got to the point where it's just like, I don't want to hear niggas talking. Okay. I don't want to hear niggas' opinion. It's bad enough we have Twitter. But yeah. now we have the audio version of Twitter where you're getting <laughs> bombarded with other people's opinions on topics. And it's just like, this is too much. Yeah, Sensory overload. And so then you don't know what's a real thought or a fake thought. I always try to make sure that I'm coming back to self and asking myself, is this an original thought? Or did you get this from someplace else? And so Clubhouse was just... Is a perfect place for extroverts. It's a perfect place for people that love to talk. People that monopolize conversations. It's a perfect place (laughs) for people that have something to say when there's nothing to say. And that's just not me. Like, when you're a, a creator on multiple platforms you have to figure out what platforms work for you exactly and clubhouse was just not it for me i'm a visual person there's no visual aspect to clubhouse whatsoever and so it just wasn't for me but i know some people audibly like podcasters you know people in radio and media and tv and things like that it might work for them but my type of creation is visual yeah
0: same. I I'd rather you. do
1: things with no words. Like, I hate when a brand is just like, can you put a voiceover over there? No, I do too.
0: I don't want to talk. <laughs> can you look at the camera and talk? Why? <laughs> Yeah. that's so
1: not organic it's not natural like if i want to sure i don't like being required to yeah like there's yep. certain things where you like you have to get real with the camera but no i'd rather let the visuals speak for it maybe put some words on the screen
0: agree a thousand percent i fucking hated clubhouse from the moment you <laughs> told me about it i think we did two houses or two but rooms, they were good and they were good they i were loved good. them it's just i don't like listening to other people talk yeah but i will say that clubhouse is a really good example of get in and get out like they came at a at the perfect time Mm -hmm. people needed reconnection with other humans we needed to be able to do it safely and from a distance I think clubhouse fulfilled the need that it was meant to and you know whatever it's done
1: yeah speaking of social media apps like clubhouse there are several new apps that are coming about because apparently social media is a toxic place did you know that (laughs) what (laughs) news to me and so there's a lot of new social platforms coming up with methods or ways in which we can engage without followers and likes and things of that nature like what like how so there's one that's using you can only follow not necessarily follow you can only engage with people from your contact list and so it's just me keeping up with you day to day, you know, Yeah. Like, you know, without having, yeah. You know, yeah. how do you feel about that? It's like a, so, so picture like close That's friends. That's what I was going to say. close friends feature. I kind of like that. Yeah. I like, I like that, that because too. I
0: use my close friends instead of like texting an announcement or something, I'll just put it in my close friends. Like here, all 20 of y'all see it. So I think that I like that. It's just, are people willing to jump
1: on board another... Right. And then why social? Like back to what we were speaking about last episode, like pick up the phone. Yeah. Like why does everything have to be on the internet? Yeah. I don't see the place for it. Like there was one, they're getting funding though. There was one created by Ethel's house, which is a uh, black owned social club.
0: Okay, And so that
1: one is no followers, no likes, no endless scroll.
0: But you know, black planet did we have followers on Black Planet, or it was just friends? I don't remember. Cause you could upload your thoughts, you could have music, like I don't know. I don't remember. MySpace. Either. You had friends though. You you definitely have friends on MySpace, and your top eight. And your t- yes,
1: Ring that bell. But if you
2: could, like,
1: <laughs> the drama that started, girl.
0: Why am I not in your? I thought we was best friends. <laughs> I think that if you could do it in a way where people could share their creativity without the popularity contest, I think I'd be down for that. Like, if I could just go and find some dope shit and not have to worry about the, the vanity metrics, yeah.
1: Because they said, like, social media is overrun with influencers trying to sell us stuff. It always is like, shit. It is.
0: But <laughs> it's overrun with
1: everybody wanting you to be, be an influencer answer. now. Yeah, yeah. That's the problem. And who's influencing? Yo. Who's doing it? Everybody and <sighs> nobody. There were softer days before...
0: I don't want to talk about soft days. I I really don't like the
1: soft life trend. I don't like how we have to put a name on everything. Like, that's the thing. That was just vacation last year. I'm just taking vacation. Black women in luxury, like a soft life. What else we got out here? Healing
0: Girl Summer, Healed Girl Summer.
1: (laughs) Not hot girl, Healed Girl Summer on TikTok. Everything needs a name these days. It does. That's crazy. And that speaks to the trends and how we were saying everything is so short. Yep. And it's just like but you're gonna put a name on it, and it's not even gonna be here next week. But
0: and then that raises the question: Are you still going to do it next week? Probably if not. you're living a soft life right now because it's trendy, but then next month something else becomes a trend, are you no longer living this soft life anymore?
1: No. Because, you know, no, like this episode is about building a community. And what I've noticed is there's so many niche communities. Yes. And so that's what's happening. People are finding these niche communities and turning that into a trend like if we talk about Clean yes. Talk people cleaning their home that's a very niche community that's it's always been it's always been there but people are starting to discover it and so now everybody's cleaning their house everybody's doing refrigerator organization everybody's oh. doing these things because and just like with fashion any like yeah. just like with wellness these are very niche communities and yeah. you know once one gets it and then everybody starts doing it that's when it becomes broad and we put a name on it
0: I never thought about it like that and you know I now I wonder how the OG of the cleaning talk feel? Because they start... I'm serious. Like, sometimes you start something and it takes off and it becomes bigger than the thing that you started. And as a creative, it's like, oh, I love to see that this took off, but also give me my... Like, I started this shit. So I kind of wonder what the cleaning talk people feel.
1: Just like with fragrance. You know, what's her name? Black Girls Smell Good, maybe a year ago, started, you know... Well, she's always posted... Fragrance content But it started to go viral Then everybody started Posting fragrance content Do we see fragrance content anymore? No It's clean They all cleaning now <laughs> <laughs> They all cleaning now Now they smell like bleach <laughs> oh, today <laughs> See it's just Ooh, like
0: You're right yeah. We talk
1: about niche Because niche is important We talk about lifestyle Because yes lifestyle is important Like fragrance does incorporate Your lifestyle But it's just like What's a part of you? Like your niche is very much a part of you. And so it can be one thing, it can be five things. Yeah. But when everybody is doing everything, it's just it becomes like what is really true to you. Yeah. And so we see with these micro trends happening and who's hopping on it. And then nobody's yep. talking about it now. Yep. And so that's just the way the internet works now. Yeah. You know?
0: You're right. You're absolutely right.
1: Yo, first things first, before we even get back into this conversation, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are on the road to 1,000 subscribers and more, but definitely give us a follow because we're, like we said, we bring in the production all the way up this season. So show us some love. All right. So this week's episode is about building a digital community. And we have Nana Azumayim on Yo,
0: I'm very excited. This is our first guest. This is our first guest ever. (laughs) And she's such a good one. Like, I've been following Nana and just, like, respecting the work that she's done for such a long time, especially when it comes to Black women in the fashion and beauty industry.
1: I love what she's doing with ESG, like, the the fact that she's been able to build such a community and getting the cut from 500,000 followers to a million followers in a year, like, really speaks to her knowledge and expertise. Like, she knows how to build a community. Yeah,
0: she does. She does. She has that voice, I guess. You know what I mean? And it's beautiful to see.
1: Because one thing when we speak about building a community, like you mentioned, having that voice, is that relatability, you know? What would you say is probably your secret to building a community? Because you've built several.
0: (laughs) I have. I think it's filling a void. Like, where you see a need. Sometimes I just sit and I think, what would have helped me in my career? What, what kind of community do I want that doesn't exist? And then I just go build it. Yeah. One you thing know. about
1: me, I just be having the ideas. And so it's like, I'm the idea queen. I'm going to have all the ideas. And I'm so glad, like when I had the idea for content queens, that you were the first person to come to mind. And I wasn't even thinking about, you know, the, the skills that you have as far as being able to build a community. But it's just like, that's how teamwork works. Yes. You know, you have, we, we learn how to use our differences or our skills, I should say. Yeah as strengths and we come together as one. Yep.
0: And it makes it, it makes you a more cohesive unit, even when you're building a community or when you're a part of a community, because there may be resources that you have that I don't have and vice versa. And we're able to share them. And I feel like the same is true for every stylish girl. Like sometimes I'll be in the comments like of the job postings that they do on Instagram. And it's just so beautiful to see like Black women uplifting each other in that way.
1: That's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. I've seen images of Sip and Slay. Yeah. Yep. And just see that just they're sipping and they're slaying. Yo, the outfits <laughs> are giving. Facts. You know we love the fits. Okay. Facts.
0: Nana Adjomine is a social media strategist, founder of Every Stylish Girl, LLC, and the Black woman responsible for increasing the cut's Instagram following from 500000 to a million in just a year.
1: For her contributions to the beauty and business space, Nana was recently listed in Essence Magazine's 30 Under 30 Black Beauty and Fashion Executives. We are so happy to have Nana with us today in the kingdom. Give it up. Yeah, let the royal trumpets
0: last, right? Please, 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 You're far too kind. Yes. Nana, welcome. Thank you, Vic. How are you?
3: I'm good. It's a little rainy. and trying to kill my mood, but you know, we're here. First of all, bitch, don't kill my vibe. I'm happy. I'm with these amazing queens and it's been too long. Like I came in and I was like, can, can we hug? Like it just, it felt so good to just hug y'all and be in the space with you. So thank you truly for having me.
0: Thank you for being here. It means a lot to us. Like, I've been waiting to meet you in person because we've talked online so much throughout the year. So this is like a treat for me personally, just to like put an energy and a face, an actual physical face to the personality that I've come to know.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, I met you pre-pandemic. And so this is like a reintroduction because of the crazy times. But I also did the digital event with you guys in the summer of 2020, right? So that was awesome. Yeah, it was dope. So it's good to have you. Yes. All right. We're going to get right into it. I am a huge
0: magazine girl. Like, I collect them. I love them. Yeah, she does, world. You, Kia <laughs> comes over and be like, you need to get rid some of these magazines.
1: <laughs> I'm turning into <it> you. <laughs> if you see my magazine collection, really? I'm like, oh, I hear you in the back of my head like, oh, print, print, print. I'm like, I got to keep these. I love it.
0: So you have worked at Elle, and you've also worked at The Cut in a past life. Can you talk to us a little bit about your experience at Elle Magazine, and how did that affect your decision to start your own business?
3: So that was my first ever fashion media job, and at this point in my life, I had just graduated undergrad. And for so long, like so many of us, we think we want to do something. You graduate, you hit reality. You're like, oh, don't want to do that at all, actually. Like we all that. had like three to four positions in our life, right, before hitting thirty, mind you. And so I was like, I want to be a hard news reporter, and that was not <laughs> it. Like especially at this time, you know. It was unfortunate. There was a lot of police brutality on the news and it was just hard for me to report and write about that every day so when I got into L, it was like a huge relief off my shoulders because I'm like oh I'm finally doing something that I really enjoyed it right but not only that I wanted to write stories about black and brown women women that look like us thicker hair kinkier hair more coarse hair darker skin body positivity different shapes however plot twist is (laughs) that is not what the looks like. (laughs) Like that is not what these corporate spaces reflect. Like we are very few in those spaces. And so, you know, due to my lack of frustration going into those spaces and realizing, wow, like there is no representation, not only in magazines, but literally in these offices with my coworkers, with the other interns I was with. So that really, truly motivated me to Kick off every stylish girl and really transition it from some hobby to now nah, we're about to, you know, create our own table. Right. Like I'm not waiting for an invite to yours anymore.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely. right. That's right. In a previous episode, we spoke about how our life skills really help assist us as creators like past experiences. Like, you know, I was a stylist. I worked in retail. I worked in intellectual property and law, entertainment law. So those skills, they're transferable you know so how has working in traditional media helped you as a creative entrepreneur
3: oh oh my gosh and I harp on this so much. I think it's amazing to just jump and be like, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going to start a business. I would not be where I am without the relationships I cultivated, Mm. right? So let's first start off with that. I know everyone says this, but network your ass off. Like As soon as I got in the industry, I mean, and never tell people your full strategy and plan. Mm. I came in like, I want to learn everything. Oh, I'm so excited. This is amazing. I wasn't critiquing them in front of them, right? But in the back of my mind, I was taking notes. This is what's missing. There's no black woman here. There's very few. We're not covering these stories. How do you not know about actually what was happening at this time was everyday people party. I'm like, how are you not talking about this? Right. This is a huge community gathering. All these stories were coming in my mind. And I was just taking note of them because I was like, great, they don't want to do this. These are things I'm going to make sure that I create in my space. Right. And these are voices I'm going to tell. So it was so important. I created that network. I built those relationships. I built the skill set. Right. So I know how to And the email is so important because that's how you pitch yourself. That's how you make money for your company. That's how you grow your business. So I really learned how to make a strong email structure. I learned how to be a good writer. I learned how to be a public speaker, which opened so many career doors for me later on that I wasn't expecting. And then most importantly, I think when you are a professional in the industry, people want to know who you've worked with, right? At the end of the day, like you mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Entertainment, you've worked in entertainment law, you've done this, like you sound more credible. I'm gonna be straight up with yeah. you. Like, yep. You sound way more credible to me. So I think it's really important, like build your credibility, build your network, network and build overall professionalism. I think that's what the industry is for. So, I definitely think I gained that and it helped me create my business and take it to the next level.
0: What about your experience at The Cut? How did that contribute to
3: Every Stylish Girl? Oh, that was an interesting experience. Oh, I would say, okay, before Refinery29, no one knew who I was. Like, people knew about Every Stylish Girl, but mind you, I never had an Instagram. And I always tell people this, and they're like, what? And so I didn't think it was important for me to be the face because I was covering other women of color, and I thought their stories were so incredible. And so Refinery, when I got there, they were like, you need to make an Instagram. And so I made one, but wasn't really active on it still. I got to the cut, and I feel like my whole career took off. Like The first four months being there, they told me that I was going to be the reporter at the Met Gala red carpet. And I was like, wow. I kid you not. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is an incredible opportunity. And I mean, from there, like my career was never the same. Like, wow. I just, there's no other way to explain it. But can we talk
0: about how you took them from f- half a million to a million yes. in a year or yes. less than a year? Like, we need the tea on that. Like, what is yes.
3: up? So, I I mean, I completely came in and was like, you guys sound so robotic. Your mm-hmm. Instagram, I get it. Editorial voice, cool, blah, blah, blah. But, like, it's not relatable. And so I came in and I was like, I'm going to speak in first person. And I remember going back and forth with the editor chief. she's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. And I'm like, yes, I am. Because the audience needs to know you're talking to them, right? They want to know how this is relatable. It should feel like honestly, you're following your best friend's Instagram, but she's posting about like celebrities and memes and like cultural references. And so that's what I made the cut to be right. I'm like, I just took ownership of it, honestly. And I think it was me just being so authentic and transparent and goofy and relatable and real. And people gravitated towards that. And I think that's honestly what took us from 500K to a million in a year. Oh, also, first Black social editor ever to work on that account. Oh, So, yeah. wow. Hire more black people in your business. And watch them and watch them grow. Right. Your business.
1: Your business.
3: Top our authenticity. Right. Like we just are always going to keep it so real and transparent with you if you allow us to be. And that's one thing I would say was so great about the cut is like I had so much autonomy in that role that I didn't have any other place I worked before.
1: Right. It's Mm -hmm. one thing to have a seat at the table, but actually be given voice and visibility like that's what really matters.
3: That's the real power
1: right there. So you created Every Stylist Girl and we always talk about in this industry when you're creating anything new, like make sure you're solving a problem or filling a void. So what was the inspiration for you creating Every Stylist Girl and how did that come about?
3: Yeah, I love that because it's so easy to start a business, but it's not easy to provide value. Mm. And I told myself, how is ESG going to provide value for the community? And I knew what it was, was honestly just helping more black and brown women break into the industry. Cause that was really, there was like a pipeline issue there. Like so many women would be like, I love fashion. I read about it. I write about it, but like, I could never walk into Elle. Mm-hmm. I could never walk into Vogue. How are you there in those spaces? And so honestly, I just started connecting them to editors at those companies and saying, hey, when you email them, say Nana recommended you, you know? Mm-hmm. And I also started a media training program. It was a 10-week media training program to help Black women get the skills and tools they needed to get hired. So all the women from our program at the end either got jobs at harper's bazaar refinery 29 cosmopolitan magazine or they went to journalism graduate school so yeah and there were a few women who dropped out because i was kind of hard on them (laughs) but it ain't for everybody yeah listen but the whole point is like i want you to feel what the industry is like so you're Mm -hmm. not shocked by anything right like i took this program at esg i know exactly what i'm walking into and all of them are like superstars right now so it's cool to see them rise That's beautiful. Are you still doing this program? No, actually. And I think that's what's so beautiful about business is that there's going to be so much change and transition. And that should be normal, right? Because... When we were first doing that, it almost felt like we were operating as a nonprofit because there was no revenue in that, right? It was me simply just saying, like, we're going to have homework and classes with these women for 10 weeks. That was Uh. it. And that was our goal. But then as we expanded and grew, more women in New York City were like, I can't join this program, but how can I get the insights? And then sip and slay, right? So we said, great, let's have an in-person event where you're still getting educated, but now you're networking with other women too.
1: Wow. That's dope. That's dope. So, you know, it's one thing to create a personal brand. Yes. Talk to us about building a community. Like what tips do you have for people looking to build a community? How do you get started? How can you leverage like your personal platform in building that community?
3: Yeah, I think the first and foremost, most important thing is what does your audience want? right? Like literally you can find that out by using polls, right? Like what do you guys want to see more of? What can I educate you on? What could I share more about? And so when you want to transition to a personal brand and then to a business, you got to start collecting that data and figuring out what they need. Then launch an ebook, launch a website, right? Launch focus groups, start really doing your research and figuring out what can you provide for that community. So That's exactly what we did with ESG, right? We took it from that small blog into an experience, right? And into a business and into a community because we listened. We knew exactly. They were like, yo, we want events in New York. There's Mm -hmm. no events for cool Black millennial women in fashion and media. And so when we started Sip and Slay, they were like, cool, there's a space for us, right? There's a void that's being filled now. Listen to your audience.
0: Facts. Absolutely. So how then has it been being a CEO and a founder? This is something very new for me. I started a couple businesses. I'm now like taking off influencer hat and putting on CEO hat. And I've learned a couple things along the way, like how important team building is. So can you speak a little bit about that? Like who's on your team? How has it been working with a team and how's it been just being a CEO?
3: For me, and I don't know about you, but I feel like most entrepreneurs can be type A, right? Like, we know what we want for our business. We're like, we want it like this. This is the design. And we want this division. And, like, it's hard when we're not doing all the execution because we're like, we want to do it all. But sometimes you know, you have to be able to explain your vision so someone else can replicate it. Right. Mm-hmm. So then that gives you skills and how you communicate. Right. And how you storytell, because it's no longer you just putting your vision on the table. It's you assigning it to others. Right. And so it's interesting because as you become an entrepreneur, you build so much business skills. Right. And so many CEO skills rather than you working for yourself all the time, where there's not really that much growth there. Also, I love being a CEO because I remember my brother said to me, he was like, make a list of all the things you're not that great at and you don't want to do and hire people for it. And I was like, oh my God, yes, get this copywriter. Yes, get this graphic <laughs> designer. Oh my gosh, right? And so I think that's also amazing is don't feel like you have to do it all, right? I think as you grow and you start having, you know, income and all of this, like, Be sure to assign those things that you don't want to do. And it feels good to really be focused on what you're most passionate about, right?
1: One thing that I love to talk about is synergy charts. Mm. Um, I think Disney does it really well. Issa Rae, like, models her synergy map on Disney. And it's pretty much, you know, like, for me being the Jay-Z stand, it's like the Jay-Z model. You know, you have this person, and then you create businesses that reflect your interests, and they're all intertwined. And so you have another business, Every Stylist Girl Biz. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that fits within the synergy of ESG?
3: Yeah, so I want to actually shout out my team Member Nicole Rodriguez and oh, relationships are so important because Nicole applied for ESG and didn't get in and applied again and knew someone who was working on our team. Then that person said to me, Hey, this girl keeps applying, you should really review her stuff. She had no experience. I mean, I think her background was political. I can't remember. She had no experience at all. But this person was like, really give her a chance. And I was like, hmm, okay. Not knowing Nicole was a brainiac when it came to business, analytics, writing, storytelling. Like, oh my gosh. And she was able to pick up skills so easily. And one thing I realized when you're hiring people is, don't be so focused on if they have the skills, exactly what you're looking for. Be focused on if they're ready to learn, right? Mm -hmm. And if they're quick on building up these new skills and their personalities, because at the end of the day, it's your synergy that's going to keep you together. It's not that, oh, they're the best graphic designer in the world. They could have the worst attitude. And so with Nicole, I mean, it just happened to organically. She just kept saying she wanted to take on more of a business side to ESG. She's like, what does that look like? And we kept having those conversations. And I was like, hmm, why don't we start a page where we're really reshaping the world of business? Like, This is just for CEOs, entrepreneurs, and the corporate audience. And it's so funny because our biggest audience on there is just our corporate girls. Like, listen, we worked that nine to five. We worked that five to grind. Yes. <laughs> like, and, and it's really beautiful because they feel like they have a space because they don't really feel like they're content creators with ESG, but they can relate to being nine to five girls and wanting to transition to launch their own companies later. So yeah, it happened really, really organically. And now we do job postings on there. We're launching our website coming end of the month, which is really going to be more expansive on that business networking side.
1: Why was it important for you to create a separate business account for every stylist girl biz?
3: Yeah. Okay. Let me put it like this. Every stylish girl biz is the big sister to ESG, right? So like, it's the part of you where you're really elevating and you've gone to the next level in your life. Great. They've made the six figure job. Awesome. Like, but they want to use that money and start their own businesses now. Mm -hmm. Right. So they're coming to you all and they want to know how you did it. What does that look like? So it's definitely your big sister versus Every stylish girl is, I'm trying to just break in the industry. What does that look like? I'm I mean, trying to
1: hustle. Yeah. Really, I'm trying to grind. You're on
3: your grind. Yo, yeah. I just moved to New York. You guys yeah. know how this You yeah. know I, yeah. mean, I ain't right?
1: there no more. I'm, I'm going to every bags. single <laughs>
3: event. I'm going to every <laughs> single event. I'm going to everything. Yes. So yeah, I would just say ESG Biz is the big sister. So it's definitely a different community. Oh, yeah. that's dope. You
0: mentioned that you were also posting jobs there. Yes. So tell us a little bit about the ESG directory. What is it? Why is it of value? Why did you create it?
3: Yes. So we were all there. The resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh my God. Lord, 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 Lord. All these companies posting all their stats, which were atrocious. And, you know, them saying, oh, we don't hit the 15% pledge or whatever it is because we can't find diverse talent. Mm. lies you can't find diverse talent there was literally a website that was like hire black yes. Even like, it was so dope it was so dope yeah. so we're like you know what i'm so tired of the excuses here's a directory here is literally an asset that you can sign up for there's no excuse this is a vetted list of talented black creative professionals what's your excuse now you know? Yeah. So at the end of the day, I think it was just once again frustration which seems to be a pattern here. <laughs> and just like holding these companies accountable. Like you can't keep making these excuses. So we launched a directory at that point and then we started doing job postings too as well to spread on the other side, you did see a lot of black and brown women saying, you know, I don't see when jobs at Vogue are posted. Okay. I feel like it's by word of mouth. Right. And so then we started posting jobs at BuzzFeed and Cosmopolitan and, and all those types of media fashion publications, too, as well to help. Is there a fee? to like sign up? So for us, no. Okay. <laughs> so how it works for the directory is that companies can see all your profiles. So even if it's a one-off gig that they want to book you guys for, they can totally do that. But for the companies, they do have to pay a rate for that and a job posting fee.
0: That's good. Give us our money. Yes. yes. You know? yes. yes. Like run us yes. those coins.
3: Yes. Seriously though, because like we can't grow and have these businesses if we're not getting invested.
0: Exactly. More from our conversation after the break.
1: Yo, one thing black people love to do is a kiki, right? We Fact, love a do, we love a party, oh we love a reason to get God. dressed That's up. That's we never leave. We only <laughs>
0: But we show up late, but then don't ever want to leave. We show up late. That's the issue with
1: us. It's like, okay. like, I'm five minutes away. Girl, you ain't even left the house yet. Facts. That's me. I'm always five minutes away.
3: Yeah, I be getting in the shower and be like, I'm five minutes.
1: Oh, you that friend. See?
3: It's so bad. I'm working on it, though. Gotta be yes,
1: yes, yes, and black people. We love to party, we love to throw events, we love to attend events, all white parties, all that stuff. So, of Sex. course, you had to get in the business of throwing events. So, yes. tell us
3: about <laughs> Sip and Slay, yes. Yeah, so, Sip and Slay, which oh my gosh, you guys got to experience the digital, but the yes. in person is so magnificent, first of all. Oh my gosh, you're in a room with 20 to 30 year old women who are in your industry in New York City, fly ass women, inspiring, smart, and beautiful. Like, it is exactly the audience that you want when you move to a new city and you're trying to like find your core group, right? Like, I always tell people come to Sip and Slate because you'd be surprised. New York is also a city with so many loners, and it's hard. And what we do. Oh, my gosh. It's hard to find your group. Not even that, too, but, like, finding other creators. Like, as weird as that sounds, people are like, I don't want to just DM her. But if I see her in person, like, it's easier to chat her up.
1: Yeah, it used to be better, like, prior to the pandemic, we would always be at events. So, we would get that opportunity to kiki in person, but then that COVID time, like, I feel like it just made us all, like, awkward. It did. <laughs> Socially before. awkward, loners, like, we don't really know how to approach, like, everything is, like, digital exactly. now. And, and weird. And weird. Like, yeah, when I see people weird. in person, now, I'll be like, hi. Hey. Right? right? Like, it's just like, <laughs> should I speak? Like, do I you know, hug? Like, even Nana, here? when <laughs> she came, she was like, do I hug y'all? What are you
3: do we do now? At? What's the temperature? So, like, it's the opposite of that, right? right? Yeah. yeah. We yeah. want you to hug. We want you to kiki. We want you to show up in person, and We're excited. We're back outside this year in New York City this summer. So
0: there is a slip and slide yes. this summer. Okay.
3: Yes. And it's yes. actually focused on content creators only.
0: I'm excited excited. for y'all to be back outside. Let's talk a little bit about the evolution of ESG because you started as an in-person event Mm -hmm. and you did something very important during the pandemic. You did the pivot. You were like, we're not going to cancel. We're actually just going to move it online. You've been to LA, New York, Ghana, DC. So how has the evolution been for you?
3: Yeah, honestly, it was a blessing in disguise, right? I think for most people because... At first, I'm like, wow. So not only is it having these events is amazing, bringing people together, but our partnerships are so strong because we have these Sip and sleigh events, too. So it was a huge hit on us, you know, business-wise, and... I'm like, what can we do? What can we do? And I realized we can reach more people by going online, actually. So we had people from like New York, London, Mozambique, Nigeria, Ghana, all coming online. And it went from having 200 people in person to 700 people online. Wow. Yeah. So just being able to have that level of impact was, I mean, unimaginable. It was really, really a blessing, truly. And I'm so thankful for that pivot because more people know about us now. More people know what we're doing. And hopefully they'll travel to the events now like we did in Ghana last December. They will. (laughs) They come.
0: When you're throwing an event, whether it's digital, international, in person, there's a lot of moving pieces that go into making this seamless and as less stressful as possible. Can you talk a little bit of the behind the scenes, the production aspects?
3: Ooh, yes. So there's the pre and post production process. Oh my goodness. So the first part is, you know, a year ahead, you plan the cities that you want to be in, right? Then let's say maybe six, seven months, you're already planning the venues. Then four to five months, you're planning sponsorships. And then three to two months, speakers, right? And then last one to two months is just like gifts for your attendees. And that's the schedule. I think the most difficult part, and that's, that's pre- right? And during the event, oh my goodness. It's one of those things, like, you know when you throw in a birthday party and you're so excited, but during the party, you don't enjoy it. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Are you okay? Yes. Are you Posting anything. Have you had enough to eat? Are you enjoying yourself? That's what it feels like during a sip and play. For me, personally, because I mean, I love putting others before me and just making sure everyone's happiness is there and they're feeling it at the event, the vibes are right, is so important to me. And so that's my biggest focus, honestly. And then my t- team is just like, is this mic working? Is the DJ showing up? Is the speaker there? <laughs> yeah, right? So just like the logistical parts of any event. And it's and it's so funny because your audience doesn't notice where you mess up. You know what I yeah. mean? It's just you being hard on yourself. And then post-event, as you guys know, is just getting everything on social media, right? Making sure, like, that promotion continues. You got to keep that hype going. You can't just have it stop the day of the event. You have to say, did you like what was in your gift bags? Who was your favorite speaker? Where should we go next with the Sip and Slay? Like, we have that going for the next two weeks, Right. And then you have press coverage. So you're pitching to magazines. You're pitching to publications. We've had Forbes feature Sip and Slate. We've had Essence feature Sip and Slate. We've had Teen Vogue feature Sip and Slate. And that's a lot of hard work. I am in these editors' emails constantly following up. I mean, thank God I have a PR rep now, which is amazing. But a lot of it is still like I have these close relationships with them. So I'm like, hey, when is the story coming out? You promised me this. What's going on there? So, yeah, it's a very insane and busy schedule for seven months straight and how often are you
1: doing these events
3: Yeah, so I can give you the tour right now that we have in place. So New York City is going to be June, LA is going to be October, and then Ghana is December. So three times a year. mm -hmm. We pretty much plan them kind of all close to each other. So like summer and fall. So we kind of knock it out all at once. And then also it's just great for partnerships because you can just tell the partner, hey, we're doing these next six months. You want to just sign on and sponsor all six of these. I mean, all three of these for the next six months.
0: You're busy. Yeah. Like, I don't even, I can't even digest. Because we do small events where black girls smoke. Definitely not on that level. And I be tired. <laughs> so I know that you have got to be tired. Child, I threw Friendsgiving and I was
1: tired. for oh, right. most event. you going to get out of me.
0: <laughs> but then how do you still have time and energy to cultivate and build community, especially off of social media? I know that you guys have a Slack channel or you did have a Slack channel. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? And also, like, where else do you see yourself building and creating community that's outside of social media? Mm,
3: I love this so much. So we were creating a community on Slack, and it was actually mostly utilized during the digital stuff. It's just so funny. That's how Slack launched because people were like, oh, we spoke so quickly in the pop-up networking session, Mm -hmm. but you only get like one minute to talk. People were like, dang, I was trying to like, you know, talk to her more, get a job or whatever. And so then we had the Slack to follow up. And during the event, we had like 300 women chatting in there from all over the world. It was really incredible. So we had started building a community back online on Slack. And then obviously with people going back outside, the engagement kind of decreased on that naturally and now we want to pick it back up we actually want to create a networking channel on our new website actually wow. where you could come to the website and chat with people and not only that but just find people within the industry you're trying to break into so let's say you just go to a job section and you're like fashion and you're like editor there's all the black editors right there for you to pitch to Wow! And emails and contacts right there. So we also wanted to be a resource tool for all of us too, as well, who were you know still trying to build and connect with other people. Like it's it's still hard for me to find all the black editors, right? I just find out about them through other friends, but I wish there was a resource that just showed me these are all the editors that write about fashion and beauty stories that I need to connect with.
0: Question: yes. That's really dope. Do users pay to be a part of the Slack community? No. So okay. that was
3: still free to be a part of the Slack community. Now, the community where we're trying to build the resource part, we're still trying to figure out how that's going to work exactly. I don't want to charge for it. And so we're trying to work with our developer on that. So we'll see. We'll see how that's going to work. That's like a second phase two launch of the website. We're just now on on the first phase launch right now.
1: Dope. That's dope. Dope. How else would you like to build community?
3: Honestly, for me, I just want to be more global. So I'm Ghanaian-American. And for the first time ever, when we went to Ghana, people were like, we rarely have creative events in Ghana focused on fashion and media. It's very rare. Or influencing. Like, there's not influencer events in Ghana, really. Mm. Rarely. And so I think for them to see, like, the executive editor at Teen Vogue there, for them to see the past stylist at GQ and editor there, like, these are such profound people they wouldn't have had the access to if it wasn't. For sip and Slay. So if we could just take sip and Slay global and also we kind of want to do these like trips. I, don't wanna, I talk about this here and there, yeah, but just that. like experiential trips. Like I would love to take a group of women to Bermuda. Like I wanna do travel groups and trips and create more of this experience out of America, right? In places that we exist in, like Nigeria and Ghana and Bermuda, right? And the yeah. islands and all of that. So
0: that's important. Yeah. And I love a trip, girl. Sign me up. Yes. <laughs> Back to digital community. So we can get a little crazy sometimes, especially mm-hmm. on the Internet. <laughs> Twitter fingers turn to tr- trigger fingers. Yo, yeah. people be talking crazy online. <laughs> How do you, I guess, account for that? How do you set community guidelines online, but also at in-person events, too? Because sometimes after a long day, people's attitudes start to spike.
3: Uh, you know what's so funny it's crazy enough, like, we haven't had a lot of trolls on Instagram. Okay. Like, but you know what it is? Who's going to really troll another black woman for helping other black You know what I mean? Like, we're such an uplifting platform, and we don't talk about celebrity gossip, and we really are trying to motivate other people. I think we've had one thing, possibly, where someone was like, oh, you're not covering this enough. It's always going to be that. Like, you're not posting this enough or you're posting this. Like, people are always going to have an issue with, you're posting women with so many afros, but not women with braids. Like, literally stuff like that we've had in our DMs. And we're like, oh my goodness. Like, do you know only like three people run this?
1: (laughs) Right, but at the same time, like everything isn't for everybody. And we have to understand that, you know, find your tribe, find somebody that's going to post the braids that you want to see. You know, don't come here and, and be mad and be
0: mad mad. (laughs) it's like you know what i don't understand it's kind of like and this is not to say that i agree with chick-fil-a's philosophies at all but when people started attacking chick-fil-a for saying that they do not support gay marriage i don't agree with that but from jump chick-fil-a was like we are rooted in christianity we are not open on sundays these are our morals and values why are y'all expecting them To step outside of the box that they have already set for themselves.
1: We need to banish cancel culture. All right? That's another royal decree that we are making. Let people be human. Let us make mistakes. Like We're all flawed. We're all growing. We know nothing. Yeah. You know?
3: Yeah. I agree 100%. I feel like black women get it the hardest. Like, we're always so quick to be canceled where I'm like... Mm -hmm that white woman literally just did that same thing and no one's talking about it once again, right? Like, it's so quick to be like, cancel Monique. No, because literally she was canceled. But it's like, they're so quick to cancel Monique. And my thing to that is like, if she was this white woman with blonde hair and blue eyes that was complaining that she didn't get an Oscar, would you cancel her? You know what I mean? So like... It just frustrates me, right? Because we have it so hard and we can be so hard on ourselves too, as well. Because I'm pretty sure we created cancel culture. <laughs> so, we do. I agree. We need to abolish that because we got to give people chances and opportunities. I'm sure we've all effed up in this space before, right?
1: So We need growth. Yeah. We always talk about growth, but we need, yep. at the same time, we just don't extend that to people who actually need to grow. Yeah.
3: And there's not an age limit to growth, no. too. I hear Oof. so much like, oh, she's 40 making these mistakes in the industry. And it's like, there's no
1: age to it
3: at all. Yeah. Like we're all learning at such different periods in our life. So give grace, have grace, you know?
1: All right. So when the influencers first got on the scene, you know, we were the new kids on the block. Right. And so a lot of people that was working in media was kind of like feeling the pressure. okay? they felt like, you know, influencers were coming and still in their jobs. We did start seeing like influencers given media privileges like PR packages, press invites, et cetera, et cetera. But I do feel like the two industries are so distinct Still, like they have their differences. Can you speak more about the misconstruedness of influencer versus (laughs) traditional media? Yes. Yeah, so I think
3: it's actually funny because as someone who was both at the same time an editor and an influencer, both were just as difficult and just as time consuming, like so much busy work on both ends, right? Because at the end of the day, you wake up in the morning, you plan your day, your assignments as an editor, same thing as an influencer, correct me if I'm wrong, you wake up in the morning, you plan what you're going to shoot, you plan what your storytelling is going to be, you actually write a script oftentimes, right? You storytell, you send it to your quote unquote editor, right? Which is the brand. They review it. They send you feedback. You go back to the drawing board. And so I think influencers, content creators are slept on because they do... I would say close to as much work as editors do in the field, right? And you're doing a lot of like edits, updates. It's not just like the glitz and glam dressing up, going to events every day, which is exactly what editors do as well, right? But you have to go back and you have to report on it, whether it be on your social media or on your company's website. It's all similarities.
1: So Nana sent us this TikTok that's kind of like shaking the table. And you know the queens, we love to tussle, don't we? (laughs) So what's the tea, Nana? Tell us about this TikTok. Yes. So there was this TikTok video
3: by 100 Days of Marketing. And this woman was talking about the comparison between media advertisement rates and influencer rates. Right. And she had compared actually one of my favorite influencers on TikTok. She talks a lot about styling and gives like the best fashion tips ever for, you know, the minimal girls. (laughs) And she was like, okay, let's say this major fashion corporation, y'all could think about whatever that is in your mind. Major media magazine corporation is charging 30000 for a little advertisement on half a page, right? Something like that. Then you have this influencer who has a reach of over a million on one video, right? Getting paid $3,000 where ads going into this major corporation are 30000 There's a huge price difference. And mind you, that ad in that magazine could be circulating maybe to 50,000 people? I mean, how many people were even picking up print anymore? It was a hundred.
0: First of all, I feel attacked, (laughs) personally.
3: (laughs) Miss print over here. Because (laughs) I subscribe to all of
0: the magazines. How
3: many readers? Okay, they all say they have hundreds of thousands of readers. But
0: still, it was 190,000. That that issue right. was in circulation to 190,000 people. So
3: they say. Right. And so, like, and mind you, this is print. Like, this is not an online publication. This is print saying this is the price we choose to charge. How can you compare that to this influencer who does one video and gets circulation of a million views? Yeah. It's not comparable, and I just don't think the prices are fair. I mean, on the other end, fight me if you will, like... You know, I've worked in media. I would say I'm a journalist first. And these corporations have spent years building, right? Building this community, building this voice. And I mean... I think when you get to a certain point and you get into a certain profession and you've been at the top in this industry, you've built this authority, you can charge these prices, right? Whether you're having this viewership or not, your name is getting used. (laughs) This person is like, I've been in this publication. They're using that to make profit off of you. And so I think at the end of the day, like, it's great to have this media authority where they do charge these high prices. But I do think influencers up your rates. Like, that's all I'm saying. Media ain't going to change for you you need to up your rates. You need to say, hey, this is my viewership. This is my circulation. These are the numbers I'm charging. And if you can not accept that, like you have to be willing to walk away.
1: So I want to quote the creator Sabra. She said, the biggest scam being run on content creators is making them believe that they're influential actors instead of actual influential media outlets. Mm. Can you speak to that?
3: Yes. Yes. And I think that goes back to what I was saying. How is an influencer different from a social media editor? Are you not all capturing content on your phone? Are you not storytelling on your phone? Do you not get approval before the content goes live from your phone? Are you not all going to events? Are you not all writing copies? Like, you know, I can and I can keep on going and going. And I'm saying that because I was a social media editor. And yes, it's very different when you can speak from your own voice speaking versus a publication's voice. We can learn those skills and you can tweak them. But I just don't want people to think that influencers are not putting in the work because they truly are. They Definitely. really, really
1: are. Yeah. It's, it's a raw skill skill and I feel like once you reach a certain level then it's like okay let's start really working this skill cultivating this skill how can I be better how can I grow but then always using the fact that I'm a real person I experience real things and that authenticity paired with the knowledge I think you'll really Mm -hmm. succeed with that
3: and I want to clarify because I know people are like I'm an. I should be Okay, <laughs> we're seeing like influencers who have built authority, you're right? Like, yeah. who, who've honestly been in the industry. You can call them creative professionals. Yeah. I prefer the word creative professionals because you really like are like, you've built this audience. You've built this voice for yourself. You've built this brand. Like you're that authority in the space and it's okay to claim that. So yeah, I think creative professionals should be paid higher rates. Like these media companies are getting paid.
1: I love what you said about that. But I think us as the creators, we have to rise to that. You know, be professional, you know, separate yourself from being an amateur, just doing this on my phone to like actually making this a business. And I think you really speak to that really well, that transition.
0: I also feel like the industry, specifically the fashion and media print industry, is just being gatekept. And we saw that from the beginning, like with Susie Bubble, Brian Boy, Fashion Toast, when they would show up, I'm talking like 2007, 2008, front row of fashion shows, these major magazine editors were pissed and it wasn't because they didn't put in the work. It was because we are the gatekeepers. Vogue has been here over a hundred years. Who are you to sit with us? And unfortunately, as much as influencers want to raise our rates, we can raise our rates all we want, but if we take it to the brand and they're used to this gate kept society, they're going to turn it down. And somebody who needs the money is going to pick up that low rate. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's going to take a collective awareness, a collective, like, now we're not doing this for this much in order for everyone's rates to be raised. Yep. It takes a
3: movement. Yeah. It really mm-hmm. does. And I hope everyone that's listening, like, just reevaluate your rates. And, like, if you have, a, and I think this is so important, I have a group of creative professionals that I just I just check things over with like hey did you work with this brand what was that rate transparency is key and I know in the beginning we used to gatekeep right I ain't telling you what I did with Mac I ain't telling you But it's like, honestly, the only way for us to be this strong movement is if we move together. Right. And so it's so important to be transparent. We're having this conversation because we want you guys to reevaluate your rates and just know the information that's out there. Right. Like watch this TikTok video, really like figure out what these insights are so you can use them to your benefit.
0: I also often think about influencers having a union of some sort. Same. I come from a styling background and any actors, whether it's commercial, TV, if you're in the film or entertainment industry, there is a union that guarantees you certain rates, that guarantees you pay time off and health insurance. And a lot of these SAG actors now, or even influencers, a lot of major influencer agencies are requiring influencers to be SAG-AFTRA. And so if you want us to be part of these agencies and part of these communities, we should have our our own yes yeah, I we're entertainers
3: that. yeah you know? I, I love that so much actually it was the first time a company had asked me like um do i have with partnership with sag around? yeah and i was like no i wasn't sure and they're like oh the other influencer you're working with does and so they were like we can actually pay you extra yep if you do not can like, they have to oh yes. yeah so yes. because the other influencer i was working with had a partnership with SAG, they actually were like, we're going to pay you to that. Because she was like, I can't work with someone that's actually not part of that union yeah. as well. Wow. So that's powerful. I would love for us to have some type of union. Oh my gosh. Yes. We need Let's speak into existence. Y'all heard now. that here. Seriously, <laughs> yes. I love that.
0: So Nana, in Talk this to me. influencer creative market. Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about the difference between a nano, a micro, a mid, and a macro influencer?
3: Yes, let's get into it. First of all, every influencer matters. Okay. You heard it here first, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, no, but really like I sometimes, you know, I oftentimes will give influencers advice on growth and strategy for their platforms. And one thing I always say is it's never too early to start making money on Instagram. Like literally you have people with a thousand followers making money, 2000 followers making money. And I mean, they're getting partnerships for like a thousand dollars, like for their exact following, right? Like making one real. And I think at the end of the day, it's about what is your profession? Because if you can really, really speak to something, you're an expert in it, people will pay you no matter what your following is. So I tell people, listen, there's money to be made in hosting and doing panels. And those people aren't looking at what your following is, right? They want to know, can you speak on this? So oftentimes, do your research, become a profession on a particular area, know what you're N word? Niche. Yes, niche. Niche, ladies. <laughs> Why are y'all looking at me like that? So. Truly know what your niche is because at the end of the day, yes, following matters, but it matters for a particular reason, right? So if you're a micro or a nano influencer, you're great for local advertisement, right? Like within your community, you know everyone in New York, you know everyone in Brooklyn. There's a new home furniture store launching in Brooklyn or New York. You're the perfect person to promote that, right? No matter what your rate is, they should just pay you at the typical rate because you're reaching their target audience, Right. If you're a macro, you are reaching a global audience, right? Maybe you're the direct person that is going to give them those product sales, right? And so it really just depends what your goal is to get you to reach those ROIs. But at the end of the day, you got to figure out what your goal is, right? Because local influencers, micro, nano, macro, product launches, and global reach. But everyone should be making money out here.
1: So you mentioned people with a thousand followers getting paid a thousand dollars. That's
3: crazy. Yes, ma'am. So we how much $2, in 2000 dollars. Let me tell oh. you. I'm working with some amazing people, yes.
1: That's dope. That's yeah. dope. So do you see more of like content creation in those aspects, or it's still social media as well as the yeah. creation?
3: That's a really great question, actually. A few things, like what they do is Content creation still, they'll make reels. What you're seeing at that rate is them creating content for the companies. The companies aren't as focused on you need to post it. They love for you to obviously Mm -hmm. post it because like you still are meeting their niche. But at the end of the day, if you're creating great quality content, they're going to pay you for that, right? Like UGC is so important. User generated content is so important to these brands and these companies, and they will hire you strictly just for that. You could just tell them like, I'm just going to create for you. That's it. And they'll pay you a really great rate for that.
0: Those so, are my favorite kinds. Same. Yes. Same. That's
1: <laughs> so, all I want to do. What? Okay. And I don't have not, to post it. Right. Oh my gosh.
3: And at the end of the day, all you need to actually show them, I mean, I guess an Instagram is important, but have a website, just have a digital portfolio where you can show them these are the videos I've made. This is my quality. This is my skill. And they can see it consistently.
1: How would someone with less than 5,000, less than a thousand get noticed by brands to be able to have these opportunities?
3: Honestly, it's as easy as sliding in the DMs. You have the side in DMs of over like 50, 40. 30 it's like yeah. a cold calls. it literally <laughs> is it's cold dming but like you have to first have your pitch down and pretty much the go-to pitch take notes really quick you know hi my name is x i love your brand i've been following it for some time i've noticed this recent product launch would you like help creating user-generated content around it to attract more people to it can i help in any way who's the best contact to send a follow-up email to right? Mm -hmm. Because one, you're getting that person, that person you can start that communication with. Two, you're leaving the DMs. And they're even if they're like, oh, we don't have budget right now, you can still say in the future, I would love. So just get that contact is so, so important. And then if they even respond to you, that means they're somewhat interested, right? Even if they're not interested right now, you'll be surprised how following up in three months or they hit you up in six months or even a year, you'll be surprised they'll have the budget you want by then. And they want to work with you on a long-term partnership. So I would just always say, slide in those DMs, no matter what your following is, but also make sure your portfolio is good, which is your Instagram, right? Make sure it's consistent. Make sure the quality is great. I wouldn't really worry about the following count, honestly. I would just make sure that the content overall is good. And engagement, engagement according to what you're following is, is good
1: now, you mentioned the Instagram. So is the Instagram enough or should they be having a media kit as well?
3: Oh, you need to have a media kit. You need to have, it's actually funny. I'm like training two people right now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And so one person is at 4,000 followers and a brand actually just reached out to her and they want to film her. This is interesting. So I guess it's content creating because they want to go and film her trying on their pieces and she just has to post on her stories, but they're going to create three videos for them to use on their website or email, et cetera. And I was like, girl, you need to charge pre and post production for that. And she's like, what is pre and post production? And I'm Uh. like, you have to clean your house for these people, yes. right? You have to prep. Like, what are the looks you want to do? I'm sure you're going to have to be doing some type of styling. You're going to have to use your own clothes. You're going to have to put together those looks, right? And then posts. I'm sure they're going to want to know what captions you want to use. What do you want to put on the stories? How you want to prep that? All of that. You and you usage your and, licensing. and licensing. There's a whole, oh my God, I'm like whitelisting. There's a whole mm-hmm. jargon to it all. And I think it's so important to understand what your value is, no matter what you're following. And i had even asked, I'm like, so if they're posting this, I said, how many outlets? Is it just their newsletter? Is it going to be their website? Because whatever your main rate is, 30% of that should go into paid. Because
1: oftentimes people are
3: like, what should I charge for paid? And I'm like, typically it should be 30% of whatever your general in-fee rate is or packages and when you
1: say paid you mean like whitelisting usage yes. okay so that means yeah. the brand is going to repost your content to their channels right
3: on there it could be their website newsletter their instagram etc
1: so basically what she's saying
0: just to break it all the way down, all for the way down for them. is that you need to get a rate whatever that means for you and if they want to whitelist it or they want to do something else with it they need to pay you 30 uh, percent more of that
3: exactly yeah Yep. So it depends wherever they're using it, but 10 to 30 percent more of that.
0: Yep. Nana, not only are you a CEO, an event planner, a journalist, you also have a book.
3: Yes. Yes. I do. I have an e-book on it, right? Yes, which I spent all quarantine working on. So this book actually came out naturally because I had transitioned and left the cut in the midst of COVID. And it was really because ESG had launched ESG Biz and my focus had just transitioned. I really want to focus on helping us in our community and elevating us. And so in the midst of that, people were like, well, we still want to know how you got the cut to a million. (laughs) Like, what's going on there? And so I launched this ebook called Social Media Tips I Wish More People Knew About. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's very transparent. I would really say though, it's really like starting at the beginning. Like, let's do a whole refresher. Why are you on Instagram? What is your yes. business? What is your bio? <laughs> like really taking people back to the beginning, right? And then figuring out like, why are you not getting that growth? Why are you not getting that consistent engagement? And how can I help you do that? And so that's really what the ebook is. It's amazing. I love it. I feel like I, I launched it. It's been like seven, six months and people are still messaging me about it. Like, I just decided to read it the other day and thank you. (laughs) It's so valuable. And it's like 35 pages, but we put a lot of packed information in there.
1: Now, is it just for people starting out or is for, you know, seasoned creators? Like, who is this book for? Yeah,
3: I think it's anyone that is struggling with growth on Instagram right now. Honestly, I think because of how insane this Instagram algorithm is I think we all could just use a pick me up and just a refresher and so I think it's really helpful to just getting yourself back into why you started your Instagram right what's your community wanted out of you and did you forget that or are you still sticking with that goal and that mission
0: dope and can you give us maybe like two tips?
3: Yeah, I got you. I'll give you one. Um, okay, one. <laughs> y'all gotta buy the book for the rest. Right. No, 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 no. I love this one tip. as there's three tips included? Okay,
1: okay. Oh, we like a three for one. Gotcha. And
3: so I always tell people before you post any piece of content. I mean. This part is a little difficult because if it is an ad, oftentimes the brand has to lead with it. But if it's just something you're just posting for your audience, ask yourself, does it meet the three E's? Is it engaging, exciting, and educational? Oh yes, educational is so important because it adds value to your audience. And I cannot tell you how many saves I get on a post that's as simple as like, this is how you're supposed to take a good photo at home, clean the back of your mirror, right? make sure you're standing in front of a window i get two thousand saves on that right and like and so i think at the end of the day is like content that provides value is so important no matter how many likes it has right we all know what instagram is focused on right now is shares and saves anyway and so yeah i would say before you post any piece of content just ask yourself does it meet the three es is it engaging exciting and educational
0: i agree with that i'm about to start checking in my own content
3: it's hard when you have brand, so, brands, though, because brands are like, post this dry-ass caption. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You yeah. don't have a choice. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine, because I'm trying to hit my financial goals. I I do it, <laughs> But it really irks my nerves. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, yeah. You this know. This would have is- so much more engagement if you just let me lead with my voice. Girl. Or even the type of photo that
0: I would like to post. Oh, yeah.
3: let's not even get into that, because I'm like, Really? number two it should be frame one like that's the part you know what I that's mean? the part i'm like and it's frustrating because it's like and i don't know what these brands are looking for i think sometimes at the end of the day they just want their brand to be the focus on that Photo and they don't even care what the likes are. But I tell them, I'm like, you know, the second image would get way more engagement because I'm in it and it's not a close-up of my feet. Like, you know, I'm mean? yeah. I know that works for you, Kia. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> she, like, looking at me like, girl, they she's all not all. but I really, you know, but I think we all know our brand. And it's so hard when those companies try to be defensive and it's like, I know my audience.
1: But at what point is it you work for them? Mm-hmm. I'm hiring you to do a job and this is what I want. Like at what point, where do we draw the line between being true to who we are as a creator? being professionals, you know, because sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do. hundred
3: yeah. percent. It's a business, honey. Like, at the end of the day, let's be real. Like, this is how we can afford to live this, you know, glamorous lifestyle, quote unquote, or how we travel or how mm-hmm. we do all these amazing, yes. live in our house, pay yes. our rent, keep up with our physical appearances, mm-hmm. hair, nails, all this stuff. Speak you know, on it, girl. And so I think <laughs> at the end of the day, it's truly a balance, like you said. I think the point is, like, you have to look at it Is it reaching your financial goal? I have a monthly financial goal. If I hit my financial goal and now a company's telling me, oh, we want this extra for, I'm like, it's not worth it. I've hit my goal for this month. I'm happy with that. That's it. I'm walking away
1: from that opportunity. Or you have those hard boundaries, like, you know, developing as soon as it gets crossed that like no last minute stuff for me you're not about to rush me like yeah. don't rush me yeah. <laughs> don't.
3: And can't I rush think, greatness right and i think it's nice because i think like we're at the level where we have that flexibility mm-hmm. yeah. and we can be like it's truly a blessing and i don't want to overlook that because you know i wasn't always doing that in the beginning <laughs> there were times i was like i really don't want to do this but like it's my first gig and i know it's gonna open other doors yeah. for me right like i know it's not the ideal beauty brand i want but I can learn from it, right? And I can learn to create content from it. I can mess up and be like, Oh, okay, cool. I could have done this differently.
1: And that's really what we want you listening, especially you all who are young in the game, less than a hundred followers, thousand followers, five hundred followers. Like you have to get to this point. Like, yeah. you don't start out the game being entitled or say, you know, having super hard nose. Yeah, there are, you know, boundaries you're not going to cross, you know, if something is violating your morals and values, of course. But there are just things in the business that you have to do in order to be a better creator, a better entrepreneur. Like, you got to grow in the business. It's like, you have to hustle. Yeah. You got to walk to Brooklyn to get some cheesecake. Like, you got to do that.
3: <laughs> sure. Oh, my God. How many of us have changed in an Uber, changed in a street park? Like, right. listen. some yes. looks off. Yeah, because like, we got to go to this event, but we got to shoot here, but we got to make this deadline. Yep. And those deadlines are real. Like you will lose an opportunity. And that's why I love saying this is such a creative professional industry because they don't play about getting things on time. They will email you five times about it.
0: So Nana, you're both the creator and also talent. How do you differentiate between those rates and how do you tier your fees based on if you're going to be one or the other?
3: That's a tough question. Yeah, I mean, it's challenging because... If we have to hire out for the talent to create whatever we need to post on ESG, that's going to be a higher rate, right? Because like, of course, the business needs to have some of that fun, but you also have to take some of that and pay the talent so the fees go up. If it's just strictly me, you want it to just be posted on my platform, I'm going to charge you for just my normal rate because I'm the one posting it. But I think a majority of businesses, I personally think it depends what level your business is at, should charge higher rates, right? Because listen, we're going to go back to that example of a magazine (laughs) person, influencer, but you've established this business. You also have business fees. You also like, there's a lot. I mean, I assume you have a team too as well. So like you have to take all of that into calculation and understand you're not just paying yourself, right? You're paying the business, you're paying your team, you're paying all the assets that go into that as well. So yeah, I say up the rates for the businesses. And then when people reach out to me, you know, what's interesting. Like, I, I don't have that many brands that say they want me to create content on ESG, actually. Like, yeah, it's always pretty separate. The only time people will combine it is if it's like a panel. But it's actually quite interesting. Most brands just reach out to me and they're like, we want to do this. Oh, man, I'm going to tell you a funny, funny story, actually. Y'all, I was hype. I put on my wish list I wanted to work with Fenty, right? I was so hyped. I kid you not. I put that on my wish list like two weeks ago. Fenty emailed me the following week. I said, hey, Uh, yes, (laughs) wow, I was like, is this this real? I was like, this can't be real. And it was for Fenty Beauty and Skin. And one partnership. And I was like, God, what? This is a funny thing, though. They emailed me. And they're like, so this is actually for ESG. Your face is not in it at all. Wow. (laughs) one of those examples well you gotta be you gotta be with what you're manifesting are you (laughs) asking (laughs) this like literally No one knows I even work. I'm like, cool, cool, that's fine. My face ain't on or whatever. But but no, it was truly a blessing because it's one of those times that people really truly see the business first before the creator. And that's the point I actually wanted to get to. Like, cool, I love you know being the face sometimes, but I really want my business to Mm -hmm. take over. And you know, when I want to come in, cool, I can do it here and there. But I don't if I could live a life where I don't have to do Instagram partnerships on my personal and I can just host events and collab and partner in that way, I would love to push that message forward.
1: Same. Do you think it's important for everyone to build community?
3: Mm, Yes. A hundred percent. Because at the end of the day, the more your reach is for these brands and the more they know you have a community and you're just not a face because this is the thing with influencers. There's a lot of influencers that are just a face online and they post and it's cool and that's it, but they don't have a community who backs them up, right? They can't be like I'm a host an event. And all these people are going to come because they don't have that community online, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's so important because it takes you further. When you have a community, you can launch a business. When you have a community, Mm -hmm. you can launch something larger than you. When you have a community, you can take your career to so (laughs) many other platforms, so many other levels, right? Because when you're pitching to these companies, it's not just about you. You're like, I got this many women who are interested 500 women who i know will attend because these 500 women i dm them every week and i follow up with them we have these conversations i never met them before right but that's my community and that's what i can guarantee you because i've built this so community is everything and you know that being in new york city we know that like where would we be with our community so yeah
1: big facts All right, so now we're moving on to our rapid-fire section. Don't we're going to say something. Just the first thing that comes to your mind, you just blurt it out. It's nothing too crazy. <laughs> yep. All right. okay. And don't even think about it. Just boom. <laughs> so who's your dream collab?
3: I worked with them already, but I want to continue working with them. American Express. I, I love them, y'all.
0: Oh, What yes. Instagram account should creators be following?
3: Oh, my God. So Instagram has a business account. I think it's called, like, Instagram Business? Instagram for Business? Mm-hmm. i love it i didn't know oh my god and just the, in general the creators account on
1: instagram love creators. Two of my favorites any newsletters people should be subscribed to
3: mm, so i'm sure as i know, skylar marches is yes. really popular yep. and then the homie danier big d has a newsletter too as well i think all about marketing social media influencing yes, etc uh and then just general newsletters i think are really helpful to just stay up to date in the industry is business of fashion
0: Okay. Any books that creators should be reading?
3: Oh yes. Oh, 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 Defining Decade. My favorite book. It really transformed my life and transformed me into becoming a businesswoman.
1: Dope. All right. So now Queens Recommending Queens. Who else should we have on this show?
3: Y'all need to have NYCX closed. I've mentioned this many times, but they open a studio in Brooklyn that you can shoot in, which is super, super dope. It's beautiful. But not only that, they're just smart. Like, one of the founders used to work for a social media agency. So when it comes to talking rates, Mm -hmm. oh, she's on it. Like, she taught me all about paid partnerships, what to charge, whitelisting, et cetera. And they've just been in the industry for so long. I mean, they are gonna be mad. I like they pushed it for a decade. They've been in for, they might have been in it for a decade, honestly. No, they have.
0: And they, honestly, I feel like just recently started getting their flowers.
3: Exactly. But no, those women are truly brilliant. Yes. And well, then can you guys have like I love Patricia Bright. Yes. Jackie Ina. but yeah. All right. When is the next sip and sleigh? Yeah, so I kind of mentioned this earlier, but New York City, baby. We yeah. right here. It's going to be in the summertime, so come looking super fine. And yeah, I'm excited. Are tickets good. on sale Yeah, No, okay. they're not. We're locking down the venue in the next two weeks, and it is the best venue we've ever had, y'all. Like, oh my gosh, it's insane. Let's just say the views, uh, floor to ceiling windows. Ooh. The lighting? Love it. The photos? Yeah, so it's gonna be a vibe.
1: All right, so you were recently named an honoree of Essence's 30 Under 30 Black Beauty and Fashion Executives. Like, how did that come about? How did that make you feel?
3: I was like, this is surreal. This is not. This is, no, I can't. No, no. I was denied. I was like, no, 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 no. no what? Because obviously, like, Essence's clearly influenced my company so yeah. much. Like, there is such a huge inspiration to me. And to know that someone sees me when I don't see myself, when I'm just in the thick of it, I'm grinding every day. Like, I don't even realize people notice what I'm doing, to be honest with you. And so to have an, a publication as Major's Essence just highlight me and and support me in my endeavors meant everything. It gave me that motivation to keep going, honestly. It's like, yo, this is your year. Like, you called it, but, like, it's being manifested right now in front of you.
0: Nana, what else do you have in store? What else are you excited about? What else y'all got coming up?
3: Honestly, just our ESG tour this year. I'm so amped for that. I just can't wait to be back outside, like, giving real hugs again. Yes. Just being with my amazing black and brown queens and just us motivating each other, uplifting each other, sharing gems again. I really can't wait for that. Dude, right.
0: I think we should cheers to you. We should I give you your flowers I now. Think we should.
1: You know, we celebrate... Any and all wins over here. Is there anything in your career that you want to toast to?
3: More life, more success. Honestly, we're coming out of the past two years where you know you can't take things for granted anymore. So I'm just blessed and happy and happy to be here with y'all. Cheers, cheers, Cheers. Cheers, Cheers, queen. Oh, Oh, did I I not get you? Cheers, (laughs) (laughs) world.
1: thank you so much Nana for being with us like you shared some gems on the importance of professionalism and being an entrepreneur thank you I
3: had to return the favor you know y'all came out to support for (laughs) Sip and Slay shared so many gems so I had to come back and be like dang what can I have have? we love that yeah (laughs) we love that thank you so much love thank you thank you
1: guys All right, so where can the people find you
3: yes so first and foremost follow us at every stylish girl if you want inspiration daily on your Instagram feed. For motivation, business insights, and landing a job, honestly, follow every stylish girl biz b i z. And lastly, feel free to follow me at it's really Nana. If there's any questions I didn't get to on this podcast that you want to know more about, you can slide in my DMs. All oh, goes
1: down in a DM. Girl. Yes. All, right. All right, we out of we
0: here. Out. Thank you guys, of course, for listening, for sharing space and energy with us. We love you, Content Kingdom. Until next week.
3: Peace. Can I come back next week? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's a party. Right.
0: So our conversation with Nana was amazing. It was I amazing. felt like I learned so much definitely. about community building, even just about event planning. Like there's so much, gem- so many gems that she dropped on us.
1: There was one thing that she said when she said, creators are creative professionals. And yes. I'm definitely taking that putting that in my pocket. I'm using that moving forward. I am a creative professional, Facts. right? Act accordingly.
0: I don't always know what to say when people ask me what I do for work.
1: Same. I'm like, I'm an influencer. And they like, oh.
0: Same. So now creative professional. I'm a creative Facts, professional.
1: Because we're not just influencers. Mm-hmm. We do it all. We do it all.
0: One question that Nana posed that stuck out to me or something she said was that influencers are the new editors. And I want to ask you, Kingdom, are influencers the new editors? Because when you look at it, editors get invited to fashion shows. They get gifting of new products to review, special invites. You have an
1: editor. You have to come up with copy. You have to curate the
0: content, Mm -hmm. shoot the content, release the content, plan it. So I
1: feel like yes. I feel like yes, too. But... Kingdom, let us know. She also mentioned something like towards the end of the episode about gatekeeping. When you brought up gatekeeping in the fashion industry, oh, yeah. have you ever gatekept? Nah,
0: it's <laughs> an open book over here. Yeah. I just someone called me this morning asking me about her rates and said I gave her my number on Instagram. We've met at events and things. She's a smaller creator, but she was like, "Hey," she DM'd me and was like, "Hey, you know, do you have time to answer these questions?" And I was like, "Actually, just call me because this is." This could be a lot of money for you. And it would be a disservice of me to not answer you. They want to do a year-long partnership with this girl. And she's like, I don't know what to ask for. And I was like, this is the amount. And it seems like a big, scary number, but this is what you need to ask for. So, hell no. I don't believe in gatekeeping.
1: Nah. I get so passionate. When, I, like, I love when people ask me for help, especially if it's something I'm passionate about. I want to help because I understand that what's for me is for me. And can't nobody take that from me. Like, yep. what God has given me will always be for me. And so... Giving back and sharing knowledge is not only how we help the next generation, but also how we practice gratitude as well. And that helps yourself. It definitely does. For sure. For sure.
0: Doors open for you. People do favors for you because that's reciprocity. It's karma because of what you've already put out into the world. And content Mm -hmm. cleans wouldn't exist exist. if we were gatekeepers.
1: Facts only.
0: Have you ever asked someone for help and they gave you a gatekeeper type answer or response?
1: First of all, it's very hard for me to ask for help. And so what I don't like, though, is the coffee date, is the I want to pick your brain. So yep. that there's a way to approach asking someone for help, and that is not it. Mm-mm. Oh, I'm going to take you to coffee. Oh, I want to pick your brain. Why? No. Mm-mm. And so we go back to doing the work first. Like I yep. need to see, before I'm going to just openly share knowledge, I need to see that you actually did some work first. And so oh. me saying do the work is not... Being a gatekeeper, because I thought about that when I, after that episode, I was just like, hmm, is that gatekeeping if I'm telling people that they need to do the work before they, you know, ask for help? And I was like, no, because you got to show something. You have to put it, there's plenty of times when you ask for help or somebody's asked for help or asked me a question or something and then I look back and they're not doing anything that I said. There's plenty of people that have booked a consultation one-on-one with me about building their social presence and I check back with them, check back on their social, see if they took anything that I said. Nope. Nope. Plenty of people that have joined your online course. Paid money. Paid money and didn't hit you up at all. Nope. So it's just like, I'm not going to waste my valuable time and energy and knowledge on someone who has not showed some work first. Showed that you're willing. Yeah. You know? Like, it's an internship. Kind yep. of thing.
0: <laughs> exactly. And it's a waste of your time. Yeah. Even worse than that is people who are like, oh, I want to catch up. And then you go to this catch up and it's nothing but questions about how do I become an influencer? And it's like, you could have just, first of all, this could have been a phone call. First of all, you could have Googled that. You wasted my time. You wasted my time. So, Kia, in this episode, you mentioned creating a synergy chart. I've actually never done one. I know what it is, but I've just never done one. So this week's content challenge is to create a synergy chart based on
1: your different niches. So what would yours look like? I mean... I mean you have it already. Jeez, uh, she's already... She First of all, she's starting at third base.
0: But the thing is, I did... I fucked up. I did it in the wrong order. I started doing the stuff,
1: but I didn't map it out. Now you can map just it map out. Just map it out. Just yeah. map it out. I think
0: it'll be good just to see it all written down and how one thing relates to another. So I'm excited to do this challenge. Yes, yes,
1: yes. You've done one? No, but I I have not done one. So this is going to be fun. I'm definitely going to do it. Maybe I'll do it for you you guys. Yeah, so do it.
0: Do a synergy chart based on your different niches. If that's three, four, five, six, just find some way to tie them all in together.
1: And so this can be businesses. This can be careers. This can be... Nonprofits, like giving back. Just take all your interests and figure out how you're going to make it work. In Creative this.
0: projects. It could be mm-hmm. like an album, a script, whatever.
1: That's dope. That's dope. That's dope. All right. So this week's hashtag of the week is something we spoke about on this episode, and that is reach. So... I always get confused between reach and impressions. Do you know the difference? I do. Okay. Break it down for us. So
0: your reach is how many people see your content. Mm -hmm. The impressions is how many times it's been viewed. Mm. So you could have a reach of 300 people and you could have 100,000 impressions. That means those 300 people kept coming back 100,000 times to see that content over and over. But it's good to know both.
1: Yes. And this is not a vanity metric. So vanity metrics are your likes, your comments like these are things that I can see if I go to your page I can see how many likes you got I can see how many comments I can see if you ain't turned it off so reach is what really matters and this is what brands are really paying attention to that's why you can see somebody with you know a million followers and they might get two likes but you know on the back end maybe a million people did see that though mm-hmm. so that's what matters not really the engagement of it more so who saw it so when we think about ad space when we talk about having a magazine and 190,000 people, it's in circulation. 190,000 people possibly saw that ad. And so mm-hmm. that's what we're talking about when we talk about social. That's the number that really matters. Yep.
0: And your reach is not always synonymous with Check your follow. follower count. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it could be greater than that. Sometimes it could be lower than that, especially on TikTok. Yeah. Reach on TikTok. I don't yeah. fully understand it.
1: Yeah, they have. That's a wild, wild west. Like,
0: but... Yeah. You could have two followers and have a video that has 3 million views. Yeah, on it. it's
1: that for you page. Yep. It's that for you page for sure. Because you'll just, that's what like I was saying. I like TikTok because they're going to show you who you're following. They're going to also show you things that you might be interested in, like things you've engaged with the past. And so it's just everything just for you. And then if you swipe over, then you'll just have the people you're following. So your the default page is that for you.
0: I just started TikToking this week. Like How was it? How I was like it. it. I, l- I actually really love it because it's just like quick little videos. See? And See? I've curated my For You See? page
1: now. What you seeing? To be nothing but aesthetic. Yes. I'm excited about it now. So thank you,
0: Kia. Kia <laughs> yes, put me on the TikTok. Yes.
1: I love that. It's just like, as a creator, you have to find these outlets that's going to keep you inspired. And so most of us are getting negative reactions to having negative thoughts and reactions to Instagram, yep. not because of anything that we've done, you know, just because of how the platform is changing. And so you need to leave the platform, take a break, yeah. go create somewhere else, and then you'll just feel better. Yep. Like coming back to Instagram is just like, all right, we here. It is. I needed that break. You know, I needed to flex in other ways. And, you know, we here. Yep. All right, so we'll be right back after this quick break.
0: So who are you following?
1: Oh, yo, this guy, his name is Demarcus. Ooh. His name is, his Instagram handle is art by Demarcus Sean. He is mad funny. He creates these little real life skits of like real life's different scenarios. Like for instance, he did one about movies that be having sad moms and how they're just crying at the window. And he's like... <laughs> What you doing? You okay? okay? Hey, baby. Like, it's just very, like, real scenarios. I feel like he's had every job because he'll be, like, a retail worker. He'll, like, act like he's working at McDonald's, like, doing different scenarios. And it's, like, so relatable. I think how he's been able to amass 561,000 followers on Instagram is the relatability. The fact that he's able to, even if he hasn't had all these jobs, he's able to just speak from a standpoint as if he's had. Yeah. And so that's the relatability. He's able to just reach so many different people and communities. And, you know, I think that's an amaz- amazing skill to have.
0: No, that's dope. And I think it's really hard to grow as a comedian. Yeah. Because you have to be funny. Have to.
1: Oh, that's the hardest job right? in the world.
0: You have yeah. to make people laugh. Mm-hmm. And everybody's sense of humor is so different that. Nah, I couldn't
1: do it. Yeah, he's it's a great page. This is like you know, it's, it's heartfelt. Is it's funny. Sometimes you need a break from all the pretty stuff. You do all the aesthetic stuff, all the stage stuff, nah, and just do. laugh.
0: Yep. So,
1: Donye Taylor, love her, is
0: who I am suggesting this week. Donye is the creative director of creative initiatives at Four. Yeah,
1: we definitely need to get her on. Content Queens the next time she's in New York. ASAP, ASAP. She, I
0: went to, Four had like this little panel discussion about inclusion and diversity, and that was part of her initiative is to help. Creators of color get more campaigns and be more visible um, and be more included in the campaigns that Four has. And she's really dope on her page. One, she's just so cute and so fly and like living this cool ass life in, yes. in LA. But she also shares a lot of information about being a content creator, about virality, about how to grow on Instagram and TikTok. And she has that insider knowledge because she does work at Four. So definitely give Donye a follow. For sure, for sure.
1: Kingdom, thank you so much for joining us for episode two of Content Queens Season 2.
0: As always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your time and your energy with us. We hope that you learned something not only from us, but also from the beautiful and intelligent and knowledgeable Nana. Follow us on all social media channels, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, at Content Queens. And make
1: sure you subscribe to that YouTube at Content Queens for your visual content.
0: And we want to hear from y'all. Leave us a voice note. We might play it next next episode.
1: First of all, y'all getting a little too crazy with the voice notes. I was listening to them and it's just like people wanting to promote their podcast. Oh, I just found your <gasps> podcast. And I just want to let you know that my name is Shaniqua and my podcast name is da-da-da-da. And yeah, I da-da-da-da-da. like, no.
0: Well,
1: we want actual us, messages. We want
0: questions.
1: Not you promoting, okay? Because when you get a, you can get an opportunity to promote. But we need a question first, all right? Give all right. and take. That's it. Until next week. Until next week. Peace. We just want to take a moment to thank everyone for joining us in the content kingdom. If you enjoyed your time here, if you learned something, if you feel empowered by what we shared, please do us the honor by leaving us a five star review. Yes, we five star chicks. We need five star reviews wherever you enjoyed this show.
0: That's right, if you're enjoying the art and the content that we put out, be sure to let the rest of the world know. Don't keep us a secret. Looking to keep this Content Queens conversation going, you can join our royal family on Instagram at Content Queens or on YouTube at Content Queens. And if you'd like to get in contact with us, please email us at contentqueens at gmail.com.
1: That's a wrap for this episode. And until next time, see you next week. This is Content Queens, where content is queen. So wear that crown proudly. Content Queens
0: is executive produced and directed by Frida Lucas. Mixing and engineering completed by Eric Aaron. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. And we'll talk to you soon.